Welcome back to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan. Today's episode is with Seema Haji, the Area Vice President and Head of Platform and Industry Marketing at Splunk. Seema defines platform product marketing as building a better together story for your products. To do it successfully though, takes a village. In this episode, Seema shares how she's approaching this task at Splunk while leading a team and allowing time for other large projects. This is the last episode of season two of Women in Product Marketing. If you haven't caught them all, check out the other amazing nine episodes on Apple, Spotify, ShareBird, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for more details on season three launching this fall. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, so things that you liked or things you want to hear more of, please send me a note on LinkedIn or feel free to email podcasts at sharebird.com. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan from Adobe, and I'm so happy to have Seema Haji with me today, the VP and Head of Platform and Industry Marketing at Splunk. And she is the former Head of Product Marketing at Datastax and Burst. Seema is a product marketing leader who is very passionate about building and scaling diverse teams for high growth organizations. And she also specializes in massive scale go-to-market strategy and execution and leading high performing teams. Can't wait to dive in with her today. Seema, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mary. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's start off with my favorite question from this season, which is what is something that you have done lately that has scared you? Oh, that's a good question. I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but not a lot scares me. But I will go back, not recently, but a couple of years ago when we were at DotCon and I was presenting main stage and Splunk had grown as a company and we had over 10,000 people in the audience. And I was scared out of my mind. I was scared that I was going to trip and fall on the stage. I was scared that I was going to be there and nobody was going to understand my accent. I was scared that I was going to botch up the slides. And uh, I went back to something a mentor told me 10 years ago. And he said, you're the subject matter expert and only you know the content and what you're speaking to really well. So just go out there and trust in that and you're going to be okay. And it was, that was truly a very scary experience, but it was also one of my biggest growth experiences of my career. That's amazing. Yeah, I think 10,000 people might scare most of us. That's <laughs> super impressive. You had that opportunity and sounds like the presentation went really well. It did. It was exciting. The feedback was great. But just personally, I think it was a great growth. I remember 10 years ago, I was there fearful of presenting to 50 people and then 150. And then to think about the scale and just look back and think about where my career had taken me was pretty amazing. That's so wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think anyone might have that fight or flight response when you're getting up there, but so happy to hear you took the advice and you were the expert and it showed through. That's awesome. So I'd love to hear more about your current job at Splunk as the VP. 
Sure. So actually what I support is an area, which is like an area VP of platform industry. And we're in the process of transitioning to a new function, which is the post-sales customer success and customer marketing function. So I've had a variety of roles at Splunk, which is the exciting part of working at a high growth company. When I first came into Splunk, I came in to lead the IoT function. We had a product in beta that we were bringing to market. Over the last couple of years, I served as interim head of product marketing at Splunk, leading a massively large team. Two years ago, we combined the platform and industry marketing teams, which is what I currently oversee. And within this team, we've incubated what we call post-sales customer marketing. So think about product marketing to your existing customers and ensuring that they are successful. You're driving adoption with them. You're making sure that they are using your products in the best possible way. And ultimately, you're retaining them and helping them become successful. So actually what we're doing as a business is investing in this post-sales customer function. Splunk is very passionate about its existing customers and it's going to spin up to be its own business unit where we support post-sales, adoption, retention, some of the cross-sell, upsell products for the end goal of making sure our customers grow and scale and pretty much bring data to everything with Splunk. That's amazing. And I feel like that's an area, that post-sales area that's growing and a lot of companies, including Adobe, are paying a lot more attention to now. And obviously it makes sense. You know, you spend so much time and energy and money getting customers into the funnel. And then as product marketers, we often sort of say, okay, launched onto the next thing. So it's really cool to see that you are prioritizing it as an organization and really giving it the resources that it really needs to make those customers successful and with you. I'm sure that's going to pay many dividends. Yeah. And a big part of it is tying the customer's pre-sales journey into the post-sales function, right? So customers have a certain experience engaging with you before they become a proper paying customer, right? They're at the prospect stage. They're going through the different stages of the funnel. And often enough organizations, what they do is they leave a customer to their own devices that, hey, you've signed the dotted line, you're here. How do we help you be successful? But for the most part, you're figuring it out on your own. Here, there is a dedicated effort effort to make sure that whether it's supporting via experts or professional services or education, right, we're going to help you make the most of your investment, see the value in Splunk, and ultimately continue to grow with the business as we grow. I like that connection to their pre-sales customer journey, instead of maybe thinking about them as just a segment that you would have defined in the persona stage. So kind of matching how they got there, what resources they needed, or maybe even thinking about their knowledge level of the product or what additional inputs they're going to need. And then combining that with the post-sales support, that's a really good segmenting it. How awesome. Well, how exciting. It sounds like it's growing really fun right where you love to be. It sounds like. So I know that you're really passionate about these companies where you can really scale their go-to-market strategy and execution. And sounds like you've liked going into companies where you can lead the alpha stage or the really early beta stage, and then really scale it to quite a big level. Can you talk a little bit about some of your experiences with that and, and how that kind of became your your forte 
Sure. So I'm an engineer deep down inside. I'm a nerd. And so to me, it's really important to work with teams or work with companies where I can stay close to the technology and product, right? And nothing lends itself better to doing that when you go into whether it's an early stage startup or a product that's an incubation. So an example, when I came in to work at Splunk, what was super exciting to me is leading the IoT and specifically the industrial IoT product that we had from a marketing and a go-to-market perspective. We had a product that was in beta. We had a handful of customers that were using it and super happy about it. And it was actually framing the overall go-to-market aspect of this. So more than just building messaging and a bunch of data sheets, it was about how do we actually seed the market? Who are we going to go after in the industrial segment, right? Is it going to be manufacturing? Is it going to be oil and gas? Is it natural resources? So it's a broader exercise to me than what product marketing is traditionally known for. It's more than building the messaging, building the content for the website. Yes, that's part of it. But a bigger part of it is thinking about the personas, the market, what are going to be our various stages of growth from getting the product out the door, launching it to actually scaling it and driving demand for it. And that to me is like super exciting at any stage in a company. That's so cool. And on the show this season, we've been talking a lot about this concept of full stack product marketing, which I see as this really end to end strategic drivers of everything that you're talking about. So not just saying, okay, this product is ready to launch, let's put the messaging and package the launch together, but really starting at the beginning, hand in hand with the product management or kind of R&D team that's helping to develop the market, what they really care about and really being influential in the product all the way to the PL at the end of the day. So that is really great to hear that you've been so involved and have connected your teams in such a way as well. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. We call it full stack. When I hire, I like to hire what I call athletes that can actually take us from the R&D stage, working with product to the field and working with the field and understanding what it takes to actually bring a product to market and hear from customers to driving demand, right? Because the biggest influence that marketing can make, and this is broader than product marketing, is actually taking it from inception to growth. And often enough, that's overlooked because marketing is brought in at a very late stage in the funnel saying, here's a product, it's ready to be launched, let's get it out the door. But we've missed understanding what makes the product tick, what is the competitive differentiator with the technology, and also getting and hearing that feedback firsthand from the users and the customers on various aspects of the technology, which is actually going to help marketing do its job. That's so interesting. And I love your hiring approach for the all-around athletes. When you're thinking about hiring someone that doesn't have as much experience, so they maybe don't have all of the parts of the toolkit that have made the more senior folks maybe more full stack to keep that term going, what do you look for to understand if someone is that all-around athlete? It's always going to be hard to find somebody that meets every checkbox, right? I'll speak to myself. Like I said, I was an engineer. I was a business analyst at Yahoo. And the path that I took to become a product marketer was really a leader recognizing that I had a set of skills and investing in me in order to do it. And my first product marketing job way back at Actuate, I really had to sell the capability and my ability to learn. I hadn't presented in front of audiences. I was a good writer. I hadn't done mess 
messaging and positioning before. But at the time, the hiring manager saw in me the ability to learn and having the humility to be open enough to say, hey, you know what, these are things that I'm not aware of. I don't understand the market and possibly not every aspect of the function, but I have the aptitude to learn and grow. And that's what I look for consistently in, in folks that I hire. To me, it's hiring people that have the aptitude to understand the tech, right? Because that changes in an industry like ours and having the ability to write and story tell and the rest can be learned is the way I see it. That's great. Yeah. A lot of the folks that listen to the podcast are looking to get into product marketing or earlier in their career. So it's great to hear just some of the tidbits of what you're looking for before they have that opportunity to get that experience. But just having that curiosity, having that aptitude, figuring things out, being close to the customer, evolving with your knowledge as the technology grows, which I think is incredibly important, I think is great. Yeah. I've always been interested by companies that demand a specific a really specific niche industry knowledge when you're getting into the door, because I've always thought, shouldn't you be looking for people that can learn it and can figure it out quickly rather than someone that has 10 years of experience because things have hopefully changed during that point. So I think your perspective is how I think about it as well. Let's talk a little bit about the platform side of marketing. So platform product marketing, what do you think it takes for a company to get there? There's a sort of evolution that we see single product, multi-product, and then platform is becoming really hot. (laughs) What is platform marketing, I guess, first of all, and what does it take for a company to really get there? Yeah, that's a great question. And it takes a village truly to do great uh, platform marketing. And Splunk has done a fantastic job in the last couple of years at really building the whole data to everything platform message. And that is so much bigger than me. It takes an entire organization from branding and creative to corporate marketing, to product marketing, to product, to the technology. And it literally takes a village. When I think about platform marketing, it's really about telling the better together story, right? So every company has an array of products and services. You have a complete portfolio, like at Splunk, we have an IT portfolio, security portfolio, and observability, plus core platform technology that makes Splunk really special, like machine learning and search. So how do you take all of that and tell a cohesive story that customers can see the value in, whether they come down the IT path to become a Splunk customer? customer or a security path, right? It really is the value of what Splunk as a company and Splunk as a holistic technology can do for them. And to me, that is great platform marketing. Companies that can do that can actually showcase the value across the entire portfolio in a differentiated way is they're successful in telling that platform story. It's such a simple, elegant way to describe it, that better together story rather than just this hodgepodge of a bunch of products together that happen to have the same branding or logo. What would you say is product marketing's key role in helping to evolve a company from multi-product to platform? To me, the way I see it, it's connecting the dots between the different users, the different personas, as well as the use cases, right? So when you think about product marketing, where it sits in an organization, it's literally at the center of being that liaison with product, with engineering, with demand gen and other aspects of marketing, with AR and PR. So the unique value is how do you take this function and connect the dots between all of the different pieces, right? 
right is the way I see it. And that's the value in product marketing. So as a very specific example, when you think you have your PMM folks that are expert in the IT field and the use cases and personas, and you have your security PMMs, and you have your platform folks, and you have your industry folks, right? So how do you take a bunch of these really smart people and help them build the connection points so that the customer can see the outcome and the value in the overall platform? And I think that's the value of product marketing and the role that they play. That's great. So I'm hearing value, pulling all the pieces together, not the huge laundry list of all of the products and the pretty slide and the multiple many features that you can add on that. So it's all about really bringing it high level so they can understand it. That's really helpful. Fantastic. And so speaking of IT, I think IT has become a trend that I've noticed people are really wanting to be able to crack that nut and be able to market to them. I've noticed this probably over the last three or so years, getting hotter as a topic in the enterprise PMM world. What are some approaches that you take that you found successful to market to IT in particular? Good question. And I'll be honest, I'm not an IT product marketing expert specifically. When I think of IT, I think about developer marketing and I think about marketing to engineers. And when I think about marketing to who I was 20 years ago, it's less of the marketing lingo and it's more about how can I be a champion and how can you help me do my job better? And that's kind of the core that feeds the success of making sure marketing to this audience is going to be successful, right? So it's all about the credibility. It's less about the content. It's more about the workshops and helping them become successful and helping them become champions in their organization. That actually is the tactics that we use and I've used in my past to make that happen. That's great. So less the glossy marketing campaigns and more the almost one-to-one or value add kind of workshops, webinars, whatever you can make it where they can be really the hero and people can understand why the decisions they've made are super valuable is what I think it comes down to. That's incredibly helpful. Well, I'd love to dive in a little bit more to your career and you're now an area VP. How did you get there? What are some of the things that you have done along the way that you think have made you successful and to get to this VP level? Oh my, you're asking me the question that I I should actually spend more time really thinking about. I've worked hard. I hear this is my kind of mentorship guidance when I guide more junior women early in their careers, helping them figure out their growth path. I feel like outside of the odd here and their experience, I don't think being a woman in tech has specifically held me back. To me, it's always been a combination of hard work and opportunity. So I'd say I'm not afraid of taking a chance. I'm not afraid of rolling up my sleeves and taking on a new challenge. And the one thing that has certainly helped me is listening, right? And listening often presents itself with opportunity. So a good example is this new post-sales function that we're spinning up. We started with programs and digging into adoption and how do we make our customers successful because we heard from our product counterparts and other parts of the business that that was a need, right? So we tested some things really quickly, incubated, 
it, aspects of it. And now we're funding this function and spinning it up as its own business unit. And I get to move with a bunch of my team to actually build this function. Now, I'm not a services marketing expert. This is going to be a new area for me to build and scale and grow. But going back to listening, being humble presents itself with opportunity. And I think that goes a long way and has helped me grow in my career as well. That's really helpful to hear and kind of a fresh perspective I haven't really heard before. Of course, working hard, I think is a theme we've heard about with a lot of the amazing women we've had on the show, but listening and identifying those opportunities where you can really be the driver for the organization and get them to that next level. That's really wonderful to hear. I will add one more thing, which I often don't think about. Just a general observation in a broad generalization in the Bay Area is oftentimes, especially in the PMM field, folks folks move and they tend to skip jobs pretty often, right? They spend 12 to 18 months, 24 months, and the next great opportunity presents itself and they move on. I'm very old fashioned in that regard. I do believe there is a value in staying in a business for a while longer, because that's when 18 months, you're only just learning and truly understanding how, what makes the business tick. And you actually know what aspects of growth and opportunity there may be in an organization. So using that time and staying a little while longer often leads to new opportunities, which you would have missed just spending the 18 months and moving to a new job or a new company where you actually have to start over. That's such a good point. And I, I've definitely been victim to this shiny object job situation for a few of my former posts in the past. But I think you're right. I'm thinking back to some of the projects in my career that I've been the most proud of. And they've usually come around about the two-year mark when I've been at the company because you're able to finally really listen and understand and know the politics probably too and how to remove the red tape and how to really get things done and pick the right project that makes sense. So that is really great advice. It doesn't always have to be about getting to the next level and jumping and getting that higher paycheck. It's finding the place that you feel really valued at and you can add a lot of value and bringing that expertise and growing and finding those opportunities there. I think that's something we haven't talked about before. So thank you for sharing that perspective. Leaning in a little bit to the first part of that conversation where you talked about how being a woman in tech hasn't really held you back, which is really great to hear. I'd love to hear more about your experience being a woman in tech, but also being an immigrant woman in tech and how that's kind of shaped your work ethic and really how you approach working at companies and really influencing their inclusion and diversity. Yeah, and thanks for asking that question, Mary. Often people skip over a very important part of diversity and inclusion. So I'm glad you brought that up. I moved here from India when I was 21. And I moved to go to grad school at USC. And I've just continued to live here for the past 20, 21 years. And I'm dating myself. I think what I've learned and experienced along the way is it took a while to get ingrained into the American culture as it does in when you move anywhere. And there were times early on in my career where if there was like a reference to football or a metaphor or a joke or 
that I didn't understand, I'd get really quiet in a meeting or in a situation or a social situation. And I'd kind of stew on it and go back and like learn and Google it and come back to work the next day, trying to understand and grow as an immigrant, right? And I think that happens a lot to people. They just don't talk about it. And it's taken me several years to reach a point where if there's a reference that I don't know or relate to, or, you know, I just bring it up, I make a joke of it and say, hey, person that didn't grow up here, I have no idea what you're referring to the TV show or the reference to like a childhood memory, because mine are different. And that actually leads to more awareness in the room on being inclusive. And I've had people on my team, I've had people in cross-functional teams that will send me a Slack or send me a text message saying, hey, thanks for bringing that up, because we didn't know what that meant either. And it means a lot that you're open enough to actually have that discussion and make everyone aware that not everyone knows the references, right? So that's just a little anecdote from like being an immigrant as well. So I try to be more inclusive in my meetings and meetings that I'm in about just general people like various age groups or people from different cultural backgrounds that may not feel comfortable asking the question and kind of facilitating that environment where it's like, hey, it's okay to not know everything and not know every nuance. But part of us being together and working better together is being able to ask those questions and ask it with humility and in a humorous way and then know that we're all just people with different experiences. And that's a pretty amazing thing. That's such great advice, not just for the women listening in, but our allies, our male colleagues listening in and anyone that is really thinking about how to create an inclusive environment. It's about making that safe space to just be able to ask questions and not feel silly about it. And it must have been at least refreshing in a way when you've asked those questions to understand, oh, I wasn't the only one that didn't get it. And I felt the same way too, if I ever probe in on an acronym or something that everyone seems to know, if I ask what they really mean, I usually get a slack on the side that says, I actually have no idea. And I've been here for two years too. So I think that's really good to- Acronyms are a big one. Yeah. Acronyms. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't get me started. Well, I know we've talked about a lot and your experience is vast. So this is kind of a difficult question potentially, but if you could boil it down, what is one piece of career advice that you'd want to share with our women PMM listeners? Yeah, women and men alike, I'd say you just, you cannot rest in tech, right? So our creative industries, especially as product marketers, they're always changing. There's always new technology. So to be successful, you constantly need to keep up, you need to innovate. And whether it's for women, whether it's for men, to be successful, you have to like learn and work hard and improve all the time, whether it's reading books or going to workshops, or just being open to learning from others. So there's no harm in it. Don't be afraid to admit when you don't know anything, or even when you've made like a massive misstep, right? Because that just opens doors to like learning and improving and just embracing the fact that change is constant, and you have to learn and adapt and keep up. That's so helpful. Keep learning, keep growing, admit when you've learned something that didn't go as well. I think that's as important as sharing those highlight reels too. So that's such great advice. So now let's move really quickly to our rapid fire questions. So I'd love to understand who have been some of your strongest mentors, or if you subscribe to the philosophy of mentors in the traditional sense. 
I do. And I will do like a shout out to two people, right? On this podcast. I think the first to me, and he'll remain my lifelong friend is Jeff Morris. He was my first manager at Actuate. He's the one that took a chance on me. And he basically taught me everything I know in product marketing. And I think it was done with so much care, I think, and just giving me room to like learn and grow. It was amazing. And the one thing about Jeff too, is after spending, I think it was four and a half years, I forget now at Actuate, one day he pulled me into his office and he's like, it's time for you to go. And it's time for you to grow and go do something amazing. I'm going to miss you, but you're ready to take the next step and wow. you don't find somebody <laughs> to do that. I have an amazing mentor and at Splunk and Amar Maraca. He's our chief strategy officer. And he has been an exec sponsor of the IoT market group. And he's my safe zone to go ask questions to like offer like guidance on whether it's a personal situation or how to promote myself. And what I love about Amar is he's brutally honest. So he'll check me if I'm being unreasonable. And I think that's a very important quality in being a mentor is what I've learned from him. It's not always about saying the things that you want somebody to hear. It's also about keeping them honest. So I know that was rapid fire, but that was a very long answer. No, those were great. I mean, what a gift your first mentor gave you telling you it's time to go. (laughs) (laughs) And then it sounds like you've created a wonderful safe space with Amar to be able to have those real conversations, which is so important to have an executive's ear and just be able to have that sounding board. So those are really great. Obviously, you've built great relationships with them. So really wonderful to hear that. What would you say has been one thing that's been really important in terms of growing your career overall? I'd say taking chances, right? Like, again, listening, finding new opportunities and not being afraid of taking a chance on something new. Great advice. What about networking? Love it, hate it. How do you do it? (laughs) I am so bad at networking. Like Mary, you and I, this is probably my networking for the next month, I'd say. I have to be better about it. I'm good at making sure that I follow up on connections and I spend one-on-one time, but the big social networking, the self-promoting on LinkedIn, I'm terrible at it. If there's one thing that I need to learn and grow in my career, that's probably it. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure there will be a lot of people that want to network with you after this. (laughs) I I sure hope so. And then I can meet my check mark of growth for this quarter. Perfect. And how about what really drives you in terms of product marketing? Why do you think it's so amazing? I think it's the constant excitement of something new. And when it's not something new, it is the growth of something that's not new, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And I think the beauty of product marketing is you get to work with product and engineers and demand gen experts. And to me, that is just stellar to be able to work with so many different people in the organization and allow something to take shape and succeed so fun. And finally, how can people get in touch with you? I know that you have not (laughs) had a ton of time for networking recently. Is LinkedIn a good way for you to stay in touch? What would you prefer? I'm much better at emails and texts than I am at on the phone call, as you know, Mary, clearly. But yeah, LinkedIn is a great way. I'm happy to share my personal email address and you'll usually get a response from me in 48 hours or less. And yeah, I'm happy to network, help out if something comes up. So reach out, please. So awesome to have you on the show today. I learned a lot personally. I know that our listeners are going to learn a ton from this conversation and just wanted to say thank you so much for being part of Women in Product Marketing, Seema. It's been so lovely to have you. Say, Mary, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. This has been fun. 
Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, so things that you liked or things you want to hear more of, please send me a note on LinkedIn or feel free to email podcasts at sharebird.com. That wraps season two of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. Thanks so much for all of your support this season. If you're hungry for more podcasts, there are a ton on the ShareBird platform. Thrills and chills, product marketing experts, go-to-market strategy, whatever the topic is you're looking to learn more about, check out ShareBird. Thanks so much and catch you again next season.